You're listening to That Music Podcast with me, Bryson Tarbett. I'm the music educator and blogger behind That Music Teacher and ThatMusicTeacher.com. Join me as I dive into what it really means to be a music educator. I hope that you're able to find a nugget of inspiration each week as I share my favorite ways to create purposeful instruction through active music making. So grab a coffee, sit down, and let's get started. Hi, everyone. So I normally don't do these introductions before an interview, but I needed to talk to you guys for a second. First, I think we can all agree that this teaching situation is awful. None of us enjoy it. None of us view it as a vacation. Um, And this is just kind of one of those trying times in our lives. But I've been really blown away by the love and the support that the educational community has given each other. I I mean, honestly, um, going around all these companies that are, you know, offering free subscriptions during this time or you know people that are sharing their lesson plans on these facebook groups as much as this situation is terrible and is not ideal for learning um, especially musical learning i've been very it's been really um it's been really inspiring to see the educators pull together and the world kind of pull together to kind of support everyone um, yes, there's some crazy people out there, but I think for the in the majority of it, and granted, we're still we're still at the beginning of this, but I feel like the majority of people are working together to improve this for everyone else. Um, and I just I just wanted to pop in before the interview and share how excited I am to see this kind of collaboration on such a wide scale in the educational community. Um, and as much as this situation is not ideal, I think that we are going to learn a lot from it. We're going to learn a lot about the inequities of people um, and their access to internet and technology. We're going to learn a lot about how we can use this technology um, to supplement, how we can use this to in, in a disaster like this to completely replace it for the time being. I think we're going to learn a lot about what works and what doesn't work. So as much as the situation is, is, is awful, I think that we are going to learn a lot from it. And I, I guess I'm just trying to stay on the positive side of things. So without any more of me talking, I want to you, um, this is going to be a great interview with Michelle Rose. Um, she is a, she teaches virtual full-time, virtual music full-time um, before any of this craziness. Um, so she has been one of those educators that has really stepped up to help the music education community in figuring out the, the how, a lot of the how. You know, we have the what she talks about. We have the what to teach, and now we're trying to figure out the how. Um, so I really appreciate Michelle taking some time out of her, out of her busy day and, and things like that to um, take some time to talk with us and help us transition our communities to um, digital communities. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this episode of That Music Podcast. Today, I have Michelle Rose, and we're going to be talking about distance learning and more specifically, teaching music over the internet. Um, So Michelle, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk to me today. Awesome. I'm happy to be here. So first and foremost, Michelle, I have to thank you on behalf of the entire music ed community. Oh. I have seen you so involved on these Facebook groups and you're you know leaving, leading these webinars and things, trying to help people that don't uh, particularly teach uh, music digitally a lot. Um, so I really just want to thank you for helping us in this crazy time that we're in. Oh, I'm honestly so happy to help because when I first started teaching music virtually, I know how overwhelmed I felt. And I also didn't have a lot of music teacher models to go off of. So I'm just trying to help people as much as possible because I know how it feels to be drowning in this situation for sure. 
Awesome. Well, to go ahead and get us started today, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? So where and what you teach, how you got into music education in general, and then how you ended up teaching music online? Sure. So my name is Michelle Rose, and I am a virtual teacher full-time. I was a virtual teacher full-time before everyone else was a virtual teacher full-time. But I currently teach at North Carolina Virtual Academy. So that's a full-time virtual school K-12. And so I specifically teach eighth grade general music, high school music appreciation. And I teach a non-music class in high school called Reaching Your Academic Potential. I also started an extracurricular virtual ensemble last year. And so my virtual ensemble is made up of a virtual choir and a virtual band slash orchestra, or I just call them my virtual instrumentalists. How exciting. Yes. So it's um, it's been a really, really cool opportunity for sure. Um, and how I got here, though, it's a little bit of a long journey for sure. So I... Uh, you know, like many people, wanted to be a high school band director. And so I went to Elon University, um, taught K2 music my very first year, went on to be a high school band director. And then I am now in my position. I've been in my position for three years. And so I kind of just happened upon this job. I just applied to it because it looked interesting. And Um, Also included high school teaching. High school is my main jam. I love to teach high schoolers. So said, you know, looking for high school music teachers. And so I hopped on and I really wasn't sure what I was getting into. I had no idea what music could be virtually, but I've really fell in love with it. And I have been an advocate for more students having access to virtual music education who go to virtual schools because a lot of virtual schools actually don't have music programs. And so my goal has been to show people that it can be done virtually and hopefully more virtual schools will adopt music programs, especially now that we've kind of proven on a larger (laughs) scale that it can be done. Definitely. I love that. And I just have to say, I've been following you since you started doing the Instagram things a couple of years back. And I've just really loved being able to watch your virtual ensembles grow and have you talk about that and how that was implementing. So that's, I think that is just so fascinating. Thanks. Yeah, it really came about um, as kind of part of my master's research. I am also a virtual student, which allows me to have a lot of empathy for my virtual students because I did have a project get deleted, uh, you know, 30 minutes before midnight one time. And so, but I was like, oh, my students do not make this up. It happened to me too. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so it kind of, my master's program kind of inspired me to do this project and it's really taken off. And I had no idea that it would, you know, have to be something that is going out to the masses uh, so quickly. But I think it's been really fun to have uh, this creativity and to bump up against all these challenges. And I think if you can kind of embrace that mindset of, okay, I get to be really creative and find these awesome solutions, it definitely makes things a lot easier than being like, oh, this is impossible. Because it really does feel impossible at first, because so much of music is about making music together in person. But I think for the sake of our students and definitely for the sake of my students, I really wanted to find solutions for them to be able to experience music no matter, you know, who they are or where they are going to school. 
I love that. I like that you framed it and basically you're just a detective. You're trying to find solutions and you're trying to trying to find these unique ways to solve these problems. I, I think it's a really cool way to look at that. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely get really frustrated though <laughs> if you if you think about the totality of it and how how uh you know how much farther we have to go. But if you can think about it, I mean, I've already seen so many creative solutions to things that I had never even thought of online. And I'm getting a lot of inspiration from other teachers too. So it's definitely, you know, if you can embrace the challenge of teaching virtually instead of being frustrated by it, um, it will serve you well and it will kind of put a fire underneath you to try to figure it out uh, because this is all, (laughs) this is all a period of figuring it out for sure. (laughs) Yeah. So can you explain to those that are unfamiliar with it, what it means to teach remotely? Sure. So there are two parts of teaching remotely. And so they're synchronous and asynchronous. And this is assuming that, you know, you're completely, completely e-learning or completely online. So this is not talking about like, you know, I sent a packet home with my students or something like that. So we're assuming that everything is fully online. And I totally acknowledge that there is a huge equity issue um, and it definitely needs to be addressed. I will say that my virtual school does provide laptops, printers, and an internet stipend for students who have demonstrated need. So, you know, my school is addressing that, but I do think we need it to be addressed as a whole. Now I've gotten off my soapbox. Um, So in order to do synchronous or asynchronous learning, e-learning, those are kind of the two main ways that students learn. Asynchronous is not live. So if you're posting a video in Google Classroom and having students respond to that, or if they're, um, you know, completing an activity on, you know, a website or something like that, but it's not live, it's not happening in real time. Students are kind of going at their own pace. And I would say that a lot of college online courses are synchronous. A lot of, you know, um, self-paced PD online or oh, is asynchronous. So these things are asynchronous or they're not happening live. Now, synchronous learning, and this is the kind of learning that is definitely more challenging, is when students come into a virtual classroom, so through Zoom, through Google Hangouts, um, my school uses Blackboard Collaborate. But anytime students are coming in live and you're interacting with them live, that is synchronous learning. And so at my school, students are expected to do three hours of synchronous learning that teachers have scheduled every day, and then three hours of asynchronous learning um, that they have in their learning management system. So that's kind of how it's set up at my school. And I put that out there because I see these schedules that some admin have made where kids are in live classes all day, just like they would sit in a classroom all day. And that just will not work. Um, Because (laughs) I mean, just think about it. It's just, it's so different to be in a virtual classroom than like face to face. So if you can limit your kids the amount of time they're spending in live class, it's super valuable, but you don't want kids sitting in an online class, you know, from the regular school day start time to the regular school day end time. So I would say if your admin is pushing through that, (laughs) tell them that actual virtual schools are not having their kids sit in class all day (laughs) because it's just not, it's just not good for them or not really possible to keep their attention that long because they're human beings, you know? Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be, have to sit in front of a, a a computer for all you know, 
six, seven hours a day. Um, so I can't imagine these children. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So it, it, you can't have a direct one-to-one transfer. You can't take exactly what you were doing in brick and mortar and transfer it online. And so I think that's the most difficult thing to kind of get over is that like, you know, so many people are trying to replicate exactly what they have and it's just not going to work like that. So you kind of have to make adjustments, be open, be flexible, and don't make your kids again, sit in your live classes all day long because it just will not work for them. Yeah. And then going back to that point of um, inequity with when it comes to access to, to technology, um, clearly that is a thing that we we have to be um, acknowledging and be aware of. But I think it's going to be an unintended co- consequence of the current situation we're in now is that districts and states and the, you know the national government, we're going to start looking at that and looking at the inequity and seeing what we can do to make it a little bit more equal and fair so that God forbid something like this happens again, we'd be a little bit better prepared um, holistically as as a, a district rather than just kind of a way, hoping that they have stuff at home. Yes, I 100% agree. I think that this is really highlighting an equity issue that's not been talked about enough um, and it's kind of been shoved to the forefront. Uh, same thing with, you know, the net neutrality debate about whether we should be putting caps on internet or not. I mean, all the caps have been raised I don't want to nerd out too much on you, uh, but I do love like I love digging into issues and all of that. And I've been listening to some podcasts that have been talking about this and, you know, really bringing these issues to the forefront. And people are saying, oh, you're right. This is you know, this is a huge problem that students don't have access to this or that we're limiting. We are talking about limiting Internet, especially in a time like this. I think it shows that we really do need everyone to have some sort of access um, to the internet, because I mean, we're all kind of in uncharted territory, but like you said, hopefully this will help people to understand that we need to be better prepared if there is something else. Definitely. So we, you talked a little bit about some of it, but what do you think are some of the challenges that teachers face when teaching remotely, especially when they're just like in our current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic, where it's like, and go, <laughs> you don't, you know, not much time to prepare. Um, and we're all just kind of learning as we go. Right. Yes. Yeah, so that's why I have really tried to jump in and help as much as possible right away, because, you know, people have like 24 to 48 hours to put a course together. And I usually have three weeks to put my courses together in the beginning of the school year. So that's how long, you know, we don't have just like one work week or a couple of work days. We have three weeks to get our courses prepped. Wow. And so that just kind of speaks to how, you know, if a virtual school is giving their teachers that much time to prep just for the beginning of the school year, we should, you know, ideally we should have given our um, our teachers who have no online training, you know, more than 24 to 48 hours. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, I just want to let you know that th- those feelings are super valid and you're doing the best you can. And that's all we can ask of you right now. So I totally acknowledge that. Um, so now um, I will say there are a couple things that you can do that will help you in the short term and the long term, if needed. I will say that I think now that we've been about a week out from these major school closings, there have been so many awesome resources thrown at us. And so now that we have the what, the resources, it's 
we've got to get into the how. And so that's what I've really been trying to help people with is, okay, I have Nearpod, I have smart music, I have Zoom, I have all these things, because, you know, I've been in the groups where people have been sending me things. Um, So that's the what, but it's getting into that how, how do I use these things effectively? How do I, you know, teach a lesson to elementary schoolers? How do I play a singing game when, you know, I can't uh, have them all in person. And so I would definitely say, try to check out the trainings that I'm doing. Like you were saying, I did an elementary one last night where I showed people how they might be able to play doggy doggy um, and use Nearpod to kind of allow students to create rhythms and interact with the content. And so it's just kind of getting to know how you can do these things. And so, like I said, follow me, keep up with the trainings, try to take some notes. Um, I think another big thing, and this kind of goes along with the how, is classroom management. And so you may think, okay, this is new to my students. They're going to think it's cool. I'm overwhelmed. So, you know, we're not going to have issues with classroom management. You know, they're not even in the same physical space. But classroom management in the virtual setting is a completely different skill than classroom management in you know, face-to-face brick and mortar. And so I will say, I'll give these couple of tips um, for classroom management. One, take away student privileges to begin with. Turn off all possible ways students can write on the board, um, chat, turn on their mics themselves, turn on their cameras themselves. I know that seems like draconian and like intense and a lot, but to get your feet wet, to help you understand how to use these technology platforms, I would say go in and turn off all student settings and then bring them back in one by one. Um, If you're going to have the chat open, make sure you have expectations, just like you're going to have expectations for when students get to talk in your classroom. So when can they use the chat? What should they be saying in the chat? Can they chat other people in class? Um, And again, that is a setting that you can turn off, uh, especially if you use Zoom. I have that turned off. So they can either put a, you know, a chat in the group chat or to me, but they can't be messaging each other in class. So, um, you know, put up expectations around the mic, the microphone. So I highly recommend having your students all be on mute. If you try to have your whole class with their mic on, all you're going to hear is the loudest kid. And it might not even be the kid that's being the loudest. It might be whatever is going on in the background. So turn off all kids' mics and then turn them on, just like if they were going to raise their hand. Um, It's going to feel weird because you're not used to teaching in silence. (laughs) But it does get a lot easier. You just kind of have to pretend your kids are in front of you. You're going to have to pretend you hear what they are saying or singing. Um, but that is kind of kind of the biggest challenge is figuring out that classroom management. And I'm definitely going to be posting more on that as we as we go along. But first things first, just try to turn off as many settings as possible so students, you know, can't really run away with your lesson because they can't control themselves, um, you know, using the chat or trying to draw over the board or anything like that. Yeah, so there's there's just so much out there. I mean, one one thing that really um, impressed me with the music ed community is everyone, real quick, was was 
really quick to share everything that they were doing with their in their digital classrooms. And so I do think we have kind of an overload of what, and now we're stuck in the how. Yes. So that's why I really appreciate you taking some time to kind of talk about the technical aspects and what that means um, for us music teachers. So I'll be sure to, to link those trainings that you've done um, in the show notes uh, as well so that everyone else can um, go ahead and find those as well. Awesome. Okay. I have two more challenges and I'll go uh, kind of quickly, but next one trying to do what isn't possible. So trying to make one-to-one transfers. You are not going to be able to get all your kids in one digital space and get them to sing together. It's just not going to be possible. The sooner you could kind of accept that fact, even if it hurts your heart a little bit, the easier it will be to find solutions that will work. So if you're finding that something is not working, try to move on from it as soon as possible. Don't try to make something work that isn't because a lot of times there are technology limitations and sometimes that's just the reality of uh, virtual teaching. And then lastly, and I think this is huge and I don't see a lot of people talking about it. So um, I try, I'm trying to like incorporate it into my stories, but you need to set boundaries and take care of yourself. It is going to be a lot, e- a lot more difficult to do that because you are suddenly working where you are living and you have to set boundaries, you know, have routines have a set space, making sure that you're still getting up and taking a shower if that's usually what you do on work days, but keeping your life kind of consistent and making sure that it's not blurring into your personal life. So you're not just, it's not just work all the time. Um, It can be really stressful if, you know, you have not ever worked from home before. And I know a lot of teachers are in that situation in order to mitigate that stress separating your school life in ways that, um, you know, you could no longer, you can no longer do. You can't commute to a school. You can't close your classroom door at the end of the day. But what you can do is get up and have a similar routine for your workday. So I get up, I walk my dog, I eat breakfast and watch the local news. I change into real clothes. Yes, I change into real clothes every day. I some, you know, I wear a lot of jeans. I wear a lot more jeans, but I'm still putting on actual clothes because it's signaling to my brain, okay, you know, here, here, it's time for you to work. Um, and then I start my day. At the end of my day, I always shut my laptop at the same time. Even if I plan to do a little bit more work later, I really try to work within my contract hours. But you know, it is what it is sometimes. But then I take my dog on a walk and maybe I'll change into comfy clothes or something like that. But keeping consistent routines, keeping boundaries, avoiding working in the space that you sleep, all these things will help you to become less stressed and to still maintain a separate work life and personal life. I'm so glad that you said that because I think, again, we're, we're focusing a lot on the the practicality of how we're going to teach and we forget about the, that we have to live like this. And especially now when a lot of us, um, you know, the thing, everything around us is pretty much closed. It's, I think it's really important for us to keep that routine. Like I'm, I'm stick. I literally wrote myself out a schedule <laughs> and I follow it because otherwise I know I'm going to drive myself nuts. I'm going to drive my roommate nuts. <laughs> um, like, and one thing that it, it might seem small, but we, I am eating lunch with my coworkers every day over Google Hangouts, which is just, um, it's just something that I look forward to and kind of keeps a, a little bit of normalcy in this crazy time. Um, so I really like that you focused on the taking care of yourself um, and setting those boundaries. Yes, I, it's 
I cannot stress how important it is to take care of yourself. And so I try to uh, post very often in my Instagram stories how I'm taking care of myself. Um, You know, today I posted on my walk with my dog and I take breaks and I, you know, through this time, I'm taking care of myself too, because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't be your best teacher self for your kiddos. Like, so it's just important to put on your oxygen mask first and then try to help others. And so even though I have been jumping in and trying to help a lot, I am also taking really good care of myself. I, you know, have... I usually set pretty strict work boundaries, but I have made, you know, an exception for myself, but I'm still, you know, trying to get enough sleep. I'm still eating well. I'm still taking breaks. I'm still, you know, practicing yoga every day, keeping these same things in place. So I am making sure that I take care of myself because it is much more difficult to do that when you work from home and when you don't have in like these boundaries that are set up for you. So yeah, it's great that you're having lunch with your coworkers. Um, I'm setting up a lunch bunch for my students. Uh, I've done them a couple times, but I'm going to do them every week since a lot of them are now no longer, you know, doing their after school activities or whatever. But set up a lunch bunch in Zoom so you just get your lunch. Kids get your lunch. Sometimes I like to provide topics depending on, you know, if I know my kids are just going to stare at each other or not. But it also gives, you know, your students a chance to have some community too, if you're interested in, in that idea for sure. I love that. Um, so you've given a lot of advice, but do you have any other advice for t- music teachers that are feeling overwhelmed by transitioning their music classes to online? Yes. So pick three things. So if you are overwhelmed by resources, pick three, pick three that you want to use. Maybe you want to, you know, maybe you want to, make it into categories. So one uh, virtual classroom synchronous platform, one uh, platform that your students can perform or perform music into. So like smart music, music first, Flipgrid, and then one website or tool that students can use to create music. And so if you could pick three things and just focus on getting those three things instead of trying to master it all, I think it can make things a little bit easier. I will say try to watch uh, video examples of people teaching um, online as much as possible. I know uh, I've done a few lessons. I'm hoping to do more. I will also um, suggest maybe following a couple of uh, virtual teachers who were teaching virtually, even if it's not you know necessarily a virtual teacher in the music realm. Um, I will... I have a couple of suggestions and I just realized I should have uh, maybe looked at this a little bit earlier, but there are a lot of awesome virtual teachers that teach generally um, or general, you know, other subjects besides music that are really great to follow. Um, Virtual MS teacher is one of my good virtual teacher friends. Um, And I will give you, I will give you a couple more. I'm sorry I didn't come prepared for that. Oh, totally fine. Any of those that you um, send to me, I'll put those in the show. Okay, cool. Yeah. The virtual classroom. That's a good one. It's also a podcast. So if you like podcasts, um, she did a really, she does a really great job. So following some people who are already teaching virtually is really helpful because you can see what they're doing. Um, I will say like so many music teachers have had awesome ideas, but it's, like I said, it's getting to the point where it's the how part. And if you can, you know, watch 
virtual teachers, even if it's not music teachers, do the how part, um, that will kind of help you to understand how it is going to work in your classroom. Um, I would say another thing is to constantly kind of try to engage students um, in small ways. So, you, you know, it can be a little awkward if they're not responding to you. You can say, if you can hear me, just put a smiley face in the chat. Um, if you want to do a think, pair, share, you can say, all right, I want you to think for 30 seconds on this question and use a timer because wait time is awkward. You know, if I just sit here for five seconds and I'm going to do it, don't cut it. Okay. So we can just feel how awkward it can be. Of course. Okay. That was like five seconds. And that felt like the worst, right? Because you were like, okay, well, and you need to give your students wait time. So use timers, put the timer up and that will prevent you from moving on. And it will give students a set amount of time to have wait time. And so, okay, that's the think part. And then the the pair share. All right. Message the person above you and below you your answer, and you can have them discuss that way. Um, let's see. I was trying to think of one one more good one. Uh, Nearpod is great, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about Nearpod later. But ask polling questions. Ask questions in the chat. Ask students you know, as often as you can. I try to have a check-in question after every slide or two just to give something to students to do. Because if you're just lecturing them, you might as well just send them a video of yourself. So the point of synchronous classes is to get them doing something, to get them involved. Um, And then lastly, just give yourself grace. Be gentle with yourself. Forgive yourself. Year one of virtual teaching is so tough. I am a mentor in addition to Um, other things that I do at my school, but I mentor new teachers coming in and they don't have to be new teachers in terms of like, you know, year one or year two. Every teacher who comes to my school gets a mentor because it feels like you're starting from year one. Um, I'm mentoring a teacher right now that has been teaching for more years than I have, um, but they're new to virtual. And so that's the thing is that it is different and it's okay if you're making mistakes and it's okay if lessons flop, but know that it does get easier. So it really will calm down. I promise. Um, this first week, I know a lot of us are kind of in shock and frantic, but you will find kind of a new normal. You'll get into a routine. You'll see what works and what doesn't you, you know, try things and they'll work or you'll try things and they don't work. I tell my students, we're going to learn and we're going to try and we're going to fail and we're going to succeed together. And I tell them every semester, I really like to try new things in this class. I like to be creative. I like to try things I've never tried before. Sometimes they're going to work and sometimes they're not. Be honest with your students. You can let them know we're in uncharted territory. Some things are going to work and some things are not. If you're upfront about students and honest with them and not trying to put up a front like you know what you're doing, then they are much more willing to kind of be like, okay, well, that activity didn't go well, but I'll try again tomorrow, whatever my teacher wants me to do. So I think, you know, honesty and understanding with yourself, with your students, with this whole situation is really the biggest thing at the end of the day. Awesome. So Michelle, what are some of your favorite programs, websites, and resources for um, teaching music remotely? I have a few that I kind of go back to again and again. Um, I Like I said earlier, you choose three things. I also try to stick to just a handful of things because 
you can really, you know, feel overwhelmed. Just like in brick and mortar, if you try to do everything and use everything, it just feels overwhelming. So Zoom is my main jam for virtual ensembles. And I know there's been a ton of talk about Zoom. I just want to emphasize it is FERPA and COPA or COPA. I don't know what how to pronounce that acronym, but it's compliant. Um, and so that's great. Students don't have to create an account to log in. And, you know, it's just uh, pretty easy to set up and pretty user friendly in terms of, you know, all the different all the different features. And so Zoom does offer a lot of free PD and training. So definitely check out their website. I've also done all of the demonstrations I've done live in Zoom. And I did a specific Facebook live just on Zoom for um, music teachers. That was the first one I did. I like said, all right, in an hour, I'm just going to do this thing. I had no idea. Like this was like a week ago. I had I thought like maybe it would, you know, resonate with like a handful of people. And I would have been happy with that, but it's like spread so far. So I had no idea that it was even going to matter. I had like a really shoddy camera set up and I, that was, I mean, I don't really do Facebook live or Instagram live. I like to do short Instagram stories. So it's like, all right, I have no idea what I'm doing. My, bo- my dog's barking in the background. So, <laughs> so yeah, but zoom, zoom is great. You can do so much with it. Um, use the gallery view in zoom. That's one of my pro tips. That's how you can see all of your students at one time. Yeah, I've used Zoom um, here and there over the last few years. Um, But actually, the piano studio that I work at actually just transitioned to only doing lessons over Zoom. Um, So literally, I'm currently in the piano studio in the middle of the floor, (laughs) just talking to myself um, between lessons. But so it's been really interesting to try to do that over Zoom um, as well. Yeah, it's definitely a really great platform. I would say to you, record all your lessons. Um, there's a way to set all of your sessions to auto record. So that way you have them, you can distribute them to students who weren't there. Um, it also kind of protects you too, uh, in terms of, you know, not being alone, quote, in a room with a student. If yeah. it's recording, then you're, you're covered. Um, all right, Nearpod. I use Nearpod. You can use Nearpod for grades K through 12. It is so awesome. You can have students, um, you know, participate in something called a live lesson. So if you you can put up slides, you can put up activities, whatever, whatever you have, though, you control your screen. And when you press the next button, all the student screens transition as well. So, you know, kids are staying in the right spot. Um, One other thing I really like, you know, you can put safe share videos in by, you know, adding a website. So. We can have students watch a video example, but then when I click on the next button, the safe share video goes away. Um, and that way I know students are not just kind of like clicking around or listening to that song on loop or whatever. So it's a great way to get students involved. You, there's open-ended questions. There's a collaborate mode. So if you want to turn the chat off, but you still want students to have a discussion, that is a great way to get students to you know, participate, you can moderate that you don't have to, uh, you know, have, let them have free range in the chat. There's a quiz function, there's a little game that you can have students play called time to climb. Um, and so so many great features in Nearpod that students can access, and it puts so many different components in one place. So you don't have to have a game 
app or game website and you don't have to have a polling website and you don't have to have a collaboration website. It kind of takes all of the aspects that we want in our classroom and puts it into one space. Yeah, I was really impressed with Nearpod when you um, showed it uh, in the training yesterday. So I, I've, I'm going to have to look around at that a little bit. Thanks. Yeah. And I also created a sample Nearpod. So again, I know you're going to link to this, but if you go to my uh, mock elementary general music lesson, you can get a copy of the Nearpod slides that I created for the activity that I did in that lesson to kind of start you out and to see how I set it up and you know, that kind of thing. So that way I can start you off a little bit, um, at least on the right foot. Awesome. So Michelle, I really appreciate you helping us out and, you know, talk, taking some time and talking with me today. Um, so where can we find or learn more about you and online music teaching? Sure. So the best place to find me is Instagram. That's really where I spend most of my time. And so I'm at the underscore musical underscore Rose. Um, I have been spending a lot of time in the uh, music educators creating online learning Facebook group. So that's the other place that you'll really find me right now. I will say I think I've spent more time on Facebook in the past week than I have like the past three years. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely happy to help uh, there. And then you can also visit my website, themusicalrose.com. And so please reach out. Um, if you want to send me an email, if that's easier, you're not on social media, I, you can find me at, or you can email me at Michelle at musicalrose.com. And my name is spelt with two L's, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. So definitely reach out. I may take a little while to respond to you, but I've been trying to respond to every message that I get. I really want to help teachers succeed and I know how tough it can be. So if you have any questions, please let me know. I'm here to help and be a resource during this very trying time for our whole community. All right, Michelle, thank you so much again. Um, I hope that you have an amazing rest of your week and we will talk to you later. I'm sure we'll hear more from you. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'll see you in other places on the internet. I'm sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of that music podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on iTunes as this really helps new music teachers find the podcast. You can find the show notes and more at thatmusicteacher.com, and you can join the free General Music Mastermind Facebook group at thatmusicteacher.com slash mastermind. I hope that you have an amazing week making music with your kids.